Hi, sisters. Part three of our three-part series here today out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We have been examining our love walk, and I don't know about you, but it has really blessed me. Remember, there is homework in the show notes. Click the link, and I give you an action tool that you can take with you as you're walking this journey out with others. God bless you. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ, and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Welcome to part three, and this is the final part of our love walk that we've been talking, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4 through 8, and so um, I've been loving this because this is something that I go back to all the time. I think it's something that we all need to go back to always checking ourselves, always um, asking where we, where we, where we are at in our love walk, because at the end of the day, this is how Jesus said that we'll know who his disciples are is by their love. He didn't say that they would know you'll know who they are by how many homeless shelters they work in or how, you know, how often they go to church or how much money they give to the church or any of these things. He says, you're going to know them by their love and love is an action. And that's why he told us to judge the fruit. You'll know who are mine by the fruit that they bear. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And so anybody can fake love for a couple hours on a Sunday. We can all be like, put our mask on and be like, oh, I'm so loving. But how are we when our fruit is pressed? How are we when we're interacting with one another, when we're doing life with one another, when we have to make hard decisions, when we have to really think of others greater than ourselves and lay down our personal preferences and our desires. And I even have my love earrings on for this particular teaching. And on the podcast, you can't see it, but on YouTube, my little love earrings, little heart there. So anyways, um, you know, God is love. It's literally his tribute. He is love. It's who he is. He's not a little bit of love. He's not part love. He is love. And his children should bear that image of love. It is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So everything about you should be loving God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And who is our neighbors right here in this particular passage? This is Paul talking to the church. So this love that we've been talking about in these three parts has love towards one another in the church. This is how we keep the unity. This is how we are to represent 
the to the to a lost world something supernatural the world does not understand this kind of love they don't understand the kind of love that is backed up this way this is an agape love this is a love that comes from the father that's poured out in us through the holy spirit and this love should permeate through us and unto the body of christ none of us do it perfectly but this is the standard and so we want to continue to be growing in love towards one another so last time we stopped at love does not rejoice in sin. And what does it rejoice in here? Number 11, it rejoices in truth. Love loves truth. God is a God of truth. He is love. He is also truth. So we find joy in truth. We love seeing truth set people free. We love that we love honestly to see truth expose lies we as believers contend for truth. We don't compromise the truth because God is God, a God of truth. We are truth bearers. We have the truth. We have the absolute truth. You guys, it is the word of God. And we're able to present that truth with the Holy spirit. Jesus said a time will come when they will worship me in spirit and in truth. Here's your truth. The word of God is true. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Everything that is against this word is not truth. It is falsehood. And believers love truth. We rejoice in truth. We love all things that are true. And there is only one truth, and that is God. And that is his truth that he has revealed through his scriptures. And as believers, we need to walk in that truth. We need to defend that truth. We need to love that truth. Even if we don't always understand it fully, maybe there's things you don't agree with necessarily, or you don't like it. doesn't matter. Not about you. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And we defend it until our dying breath. The martyrs who have gone before us, whose blood cries out for the day of Jesus to return, all died defending the truth. And we must defend truth. And we live in a day and age of pragmatism and truth is relative and all these big fancy terms that are not true, not truth. And if um, I'm actually going to be talking about this in our Philippians 4, 8, 4, um, verse 8. So you um, are listening to this, you can go and listen to that teaching and I'm going to talk more about the truth. And so we need to contend to it. Love rejoices in truth. We love love, love the truth. I love when the word of God is expounded all. I love when God's word tears down the lies of the enemy. I love when God's word exposes darkness and brings to light the truth. And nothing makes me more happy when I see the truth set a captive free. Amen. Number 12, love bears all things. This is the opposite of exposing. Okay. So love covers a multitude of sins. This is Peter. Remember, Peter says love covers a multitude of sins. He's talking about unity. He's talking about love in the body. And he says love covers a multitude of sins. Love looks to preserve others' reputations, even if they did wrong. We're not to gossip to anyone about another. Love conceals a matter while being dealt with by God and others, we cover each other in prayer. This is a big one. And we need to talk about this for just a second. Say sister. So say sister, so-and-so has done something to hurt you. And you know, whether she meant to, didn't mean to, doesn't matter. She, she sinned against you. You've gone to sister 
your first priority is to, first of all, not tell anybody about it. You know, let it, if, if something has happened, we don't go telling three other people in the church what sister so-and-so did to you. Here's what you do. The word says you direct, you lay down your gifts, whatever that is. If you, if you are on the worship team, if you teach in the nursery, if you like to evangelize, if you are having people over your house, whatever it is, lay that down and immediately go reconcile with your sister, sit her down, remind, remind yourself that you've got a big plank in your eye, that you have hurt people, that you have done wrong, that you you've sinned against God and you've sinned against uh, your fellow man because we all have. So take the big fat plank out of your own eye, be prayerful, be humble and sit her down and tell her the grievance that you have against her. If she repents, praise God, you've gained a sister. Okay. And you don't ever repeat that manner, that matter ever again. Your number one job is to preserve her character, her integrity, to cover her, your love covers her sin. Now we don't see this a whole lot, but this is vital. The only time that you would go and tell another person is if she doesn't repent. And then you go to only one other person and say, Hey, I have this problem with, you know, sister so-and-so, you know, I went to her, she didn't repent, but here's the scriptures. This is a sin. Will you come with me? Will you pray with me? And then can we go and maybe sit her down and maybe we can reason with her. Maybe if there's two of us, she'll be more apt to understand that this is a, this is grieving God and it grieved me and that we need to repent. And we go from there. So there's a such thing as church discipline. I'm not going to get into the whole church discipline right now and how that goes. Let's just stick with that. Don't go gossiping about your brothers and sisters. Don't go telling the world about everything that they've done against you. That's wrong conceal the matter and let God handle it, protect their character, protect their integrity. Now, what if that person goes around and is still telling everybody? So maybe there's a situation that's happened between you and a sister. You're both involved, you know, she did this and this happened and you guys are, you guys got in this whole thing and there's been a separation. And so she goes off and she wants to tell the world her side of the story, wants to make sure her side of the story is told to the whole world. Well, guess what? It's still your job to bear all things. Even if even if you want so badly to tell your side of the story, you want so badly to correct the wrong. You want so badly to be like, you know what she actually did? You want to know the truth in this matter? You Because you want to defend yourself, right? But that's not what love does. Love bears all things. You bear the burden of that. You bear, well, God bears the burden technically because you give it over to him. But what I mean is you bear that even if it, it's, you feel like it's hurting your character and your integrity and your whatever. They said a lot of lies about Jesus. Did they not? He didn't retaliate and defend himself. He just, he stuck to the truth of God's word and kept it moving. They said a lot of things about Paul. Paul was always being called a false apostle. You know, he was, uh, oh, he just wants your money. Oh, he's, you know, preaching a different gospel. Oh, you know, he's weak. He's a weak, he's a weak person. He doesn't speak very eloquently. I mean, they were always downing him, but he would just point it all back to Christ. Here's the proof, Christ. Here's the proof, the word. Here's the proof. His character spoke volumes. And so don't get involved in the gossip. And that's the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do is to like not defend yourself and remember that God is always your defender. And remember, God is a God of truth. And so if there is a lie being spoken about you, 
I promise over time, at some point, God is going to expose that and he's going to expose the truth and people will see over time, the truth they're going to, they'll see your character, your integrity, the longevity of your walk with the Lord. Let that be what speaks volumes. You don't need to say a word and you don't need to tear down another brother or sister. And you don't need to turn, tear down your enemy. You don't need to tear down anybody in order to defend yourself. Let God be your defender and let love bear all things. But more to the point of this specific thing that love, love bears all things inside the church, make it your job to preserve the character and the integrity and the reputation of your brothers and sisters, even if what they're doing is wrong, even if what they've done to you is wrong. Go to them, you know, tell them that they've hurt you or don't say anything at all if you don't feel like you should. I mean, the Bible tells us to go one on one if it's really feels like it's tearing you apart. Maybe you feel like it's something that's like it hurt me, but it's not really worth saying as long as you're not going to let it come between you guys, because we need nothing between us. We have to have unity at all costs. Unity, unity, unity. That's how we're going to be known to the world. We are representing the triune God, the God who they are in perfect unity submitted to one another. And we are expected as a body to be in unity submitted to one another, which is one body submitted to the head, which is Jesus Christ. So try, if there is anything, you know, we've all done this. Listen, there is no one that hasn't done this where I have, you know, maybe hurt somebody's character or said something out of turn. I shouldn't have said something, you know, maybe my heart was right in how I said it. Like, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like this, but it still came off like this. And and at the end of the day, I hurt brother or sister. I hurt the character. I shouldn't have said that. The tongue, who can control it, right? James, it is like an utter on a boat. And so we all fall short in this area. But let us do better. Let us go back to the to the, the word. Let us repent and change in this area. God, help me. Help me to tame this tongue. Help me to be careful not to allow. Um, I, you know, I had a situation just recently where someone had told me something about a sister and they weren't gossiping. It was all counsel or whatever. And then someone else had said something and I and I, and I almost said, oh, I just heard. And I was like, whoa, no, I didn't hear nothing. I didn't hear anything. That's gossip. You know, I have tamed my tongue. And, and it, and again, it wasn't malicious. It was just, there was this conversation and either way, the point is we all have to learn how to tame our tongues. We have the Holy spirit who lives inside of us, who will help us overcome gossip is one of those things where you can be like right in the thick of it and, and not even realize you're in it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we're gossiping or this is gossip. And so, and we got to pull back immediately and repent and go, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And we all have to hold each other accountable in this area. All of us, uh, it is a, it is a, it is a battle. The tongue is an unruly thing. And so love bears all things that love covers a multitude of sin. That sin that Peter's talking about, I don't want to get into a huge teaching here, but he's not talking about sexual immorality, drunken, those kind of things. He's talking about the personality defects, the, 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 how we hurt one another sometimes and how we can sometimes be rude with one another, that kind of thing, the character and the integrity. Um, we're not talking about now, if your brother or sister does fall into sexual immorality, does something and they've repented and you, maybe you're one of the only people that know about it and you've restored and they've restored back to the father and, and they've repented and you guys are, and you know that it's all good. Then 
love covers it and you want to protect their reputation. Um, you know, once it's under the blood, if it's been repented of and, and they are actively changing, let it be under the blood and let it stay there. Cause God knows every day I need my stuff to stay under the blood. I don't want to be reminded of my past. It's been taken. It's over. We've moved on. Thank you, Jesus. 13 love bears all things, or no, I'm sorry. Love believes all things. We have an unshakable trust in others. We believe our brothers and sisters are good. We wear rose colored glasses. If you wear, if you will, to a degree, we desired, we desire to only see the best in people. And again, we kind of talked about this um, in part one, when we talked about that, we don't think things evil. I'm, I'm sorry. That was actually part two. Love thinks no evil. And we kind of talked about how we can be cynical sometimes or always think the worst of people or think that, you know, we're always looking at the, maybe the motives, of their heart, but we can't judge the motives. You guys, only Jesus Christ can judge the motives of a heart. And so we want to be the type of people that believe all things that we really believe. And what I love about this particular one, love believes all things is that we know, we don't only believe the best in people, what we, be we believe the best in their future. So maybe there's somebody that's, you know, in the church right now and they are all over the map and they're, you know, they're just, you don't see a whole lot of fruit, you know, and, and things are going on and, and, and whatnot, but they continue to come back and they continue to try and they continue to come to Bible study or whatever, whatever. You know what, you know what love does? Love believes in their future. I, I love this one. I may not see you walking in your potential right now. I may not see you walking in, in, in the full sanctification. You may still be a baby in Christ, or maybe, you know, you're still got these things that just really grade on people, you know, or they just, they, you still have a lot of edges to you. Okay. There's still a lot of sharp edges to this person, but I believe that God is going to just continue to grip your heart. He's going to sanctify you. He's going to continue to just refine you into his image. And you are going to be a mighty man or woman in the Lord. That's what we see. Those rose colored, colored glasses where we see the positive. The cup is half full in their life. You can see the good because God is in them. If they're truly born again, God is in them and they, they, and they are made in his image and he is not going to lose one. And he is going, he promises to sanctify all of us and he's given him her great gifts. And, and so we want to believe in those gifts. We want to speak into those gifts. We want to pray into those giftings. We want to pray into that sanctification and really see the good in each one of them because they are God's, they're his. He, he possesses them. He has paid a high price for them and grafted them in the same vine that you and I are grafted in. And we are brothers and sisters. So I don't want to see all the bad in my brother and sister. That's my brother and sister. I want to see the best for them. And so let us focus on the good. Let us focus on the the good fruit that's being born. Let us focus on the things that are um, that are you can see that have, have are being molded and shaped in them. And so, love believes all things. I believe that someday you are going to be the best husband and the best father. 
I believe that you are going to be a woman who has such patience and uh, doesn't um, have coarse gesturing anymore and doesn't cuss anymore. Or I believe that you're going to be a woman who doesn't gossip all the time anymore, right? So this believing these good things, you know, that maybe there's these things that are still being worked out in you, but I believe that these things are going to be refined out of you and you are going to be a mature woman or a mature man in God. That is one of my favorite ones of the love, believe it or not, be, you know, just to, just to have that hope for everyone's future. Um, ver and then number 14 is love hopes all things. We have great hope for our family and God. We hope for their future, even if they are shaky with sin. So it's kind of the same thing. We believe and we hope. So I'm believing that the you are going to grow in Christ, but then I, I have an actual hope for you that you are going to be all that God has designed you to be and that we are all going to mature and be full in Christ someday. And I think of like Ephesians 4, where we're growing each other up to the maturity of Christ. We are perfecting one another, as Paul talks about, you know, that we are iron sharpens iron and we are helping each other. And then the last one, love endures all things. Love endures with one another. We do everything to unite in Christ and not to divide. We endure each other's sanctification process as we mature towards Christ. We're, we, we're having that patience. We're enduring with one another. We're hoping for the best future with each other. We're believing that God is sanctifying and working things out. We're not thinking of evil, that they're just evil. We're not thinking that they have evil motives. We're covering each other's reputation. We're covering, covering each other's walks. You know, we're not gossiping and tearing each other down. So as I promised, and I know this, this teaching is going to go a little bit longer, but this is such a vital part. This is something that I do a lot. Say you have somebody in your life that's really, you know, provoking you and, you know, you're having a really hard time just loving them. You're having a hard time. Like when they come in the room, you kind of want to walk out of the room when, you know, you know, so somebody you don't really want to go have coffee with. They just, they really, there's just this, right? So this is what I do. I will take out the scriptures and I'll take out the Bible and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll go to first Corinthians 13 through four, 13 through eight. And so I'm going to, I'm going to use the name Jennifer. Cause I really don't know any Jennifers. So I'm going to use the name Jennifer. And here's what I do. I say love suffers long. And I'll ask myself, Amy, are you long suffering with Jennifer right now? Are you really showing her patience and grace that she, that she deserves as someone who's in the body of Christ? Are you suffering with her the way that God suffers with you every day? And this is how I'm talking to myself. And they'll say, love is kind. Are you being kind to Jennifer? Are you being generous with her? Are you offering to assist her in any way if she needs assisted? Are you offering to do Bible study with her, pray with her, go to coffee with her? You know, what's going on in her life? Why are these things going on? Do you envy Jennifer? In any way, shape, or form, are you jealous of maybe the giftings? Are you jealous because she has, it seems like everyone just loves her in church and you feel rejected? I don't know. But do you, are you envying anything? Is there any type of jealousy that's, that's going on that I need to repent of? Uh, love does not parade itself. Am, am I exalting myself above Jennifer? Do I think because I'm further along on the sanctification road or I don't participate in the things that she does, I'm not doing what she's doing, so I'm somehow better, I'm more righteous, more holy. Am I puffing myself up as I'm 
tearing down to, to tear down Jennifer, you know, am I parading myself? Look at me. You should be kinder to me, Jennifer, because I'm, you know, the head of the nursery and I watch your kid every Sunday. And so you should be, do you see that, that spirit of it's a sin that parades itself above others. And so I'm putting her name in these things. Am I being rude? Cause love's not rude. And do I have a harsh tone with, with Jennifer? Do I tend to put her in her place? Do I, uh, am I being gentle with her and showing her kindness and mercy and grace? And am I being meek and humble? Am I, am I really willing to wash her feet? And so I'll ask myself and you just go all the way through. I don't have to do every single one of them. I think you get the point. Am I believing all things for Jennifer? Do I have a hope for her future? Am I praying for her? Am I contending for her? If I have an issue with her, have I gone one-on-one and we talked about it? Just loving her. Have I genuinely with action loved Jennifer? Because when you have an issue with anyone, whether it be your husband, whether it be somebody inside the church, maybe it's a coworker, even though this particular passage is for believers, you're a believer. And so even if the other person isn't a believer, are you still loving them in action, even if they're hard to love? This kind of stuff is what refines us. This is the stuff that grows us. This is the stuff that sanctifies us. If you're having, so like, say, you know, you and your husband are in a brawl right now, or you're just, you you guys are really struggling. Your marriage is really struggling. Go back and put his name here. Am I long suffering with Steve? Am I really being patient with him and kind and gentle and merciful? Or am I got this tone about me? Am I being condescending and, and tearing things down and got this angriness and this bitterness about me? Cause that's not love. And we are to represent Christ in all that we do. And we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who are your neighbors? Anyone who's in your sphere is your neighbor. Anyone that you have contact with saved and unsaved is your neighbor. And so I leave that with you and I'm going to actually, I'll do a, I'll do a journal prompt here and I'll put it in the show notes if you want to use it, where you can put their names in each and every thing and ask yourself if you're truly loving them in action in any area and where you have fallen short or are falling short, confess your sin. He's faithful to forgive. And then ask him to help you do better. That's Christ taught us the Holy Spirit to help you do better. And some maybe you have to do this every day. Maybe you need to do this a couple of times a day, especially if it's like your spouse or a contentious relationship that you're involved in, but any relationship where it is not fully unified. Start the love walk. The scripture is powerful to transform your life. It's alive and active and it will change you. This love walk alone will change you in so many ways towards other people. Lord, I pray over this love walk. I pray, Father God, for every hearer. And I pray that you continue to use your word to transform us, continue to use your word to refine us, to grow us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to counsel us, to convict us where where we need convicted and to show us you, help us to learn more about you. And I thank you for each and every person that's listening. I pray you bless them. I pray you, you just change their love walk, God, as we are all growing and maturing in Christ. We are growing and maturing in our love. 
and bless them, bless their homes, their families, their marriages, their children. I pray for the lost loved ones that they're contending for. I contend with them, Father, and I just thank you for all of them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.